Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the first podcast of 2020. I'm going to start this one off with another shout out to my friend John for getting me this awesome holiday shirt. Check this out. Hopefully you can show it in the video, but this is uh, Metroid in holiday style. It's so cheesy. I absolutely love it. But uh, let's jump right in and see what 2020 has to offer for us. Or I guess what the end of 2019 had to offer because whatever. Let's jump in. Reviews are coming in on the C64 Maxi, which is an emulation console, kind of like the Commodore 64 Mini, but full-sized with a normal-sized keyboard on it, and with some different enhancements to it. The 8-bit guide did some testing and found that while the video delay is still at about 3 frames of lag, the audio and video match up much better than before, um, making it feel a lot less awkward. And I guess with typing style emulation, you know, lag isn't, overall lag isn't, as big a deal but i imagine pressing a button and having like a good half a second before hearing the audio is a little bit disorienting so pretty cool that uh, some really good tests are done and uh, of course as you would all expect i absolutely need to thank the 8-bit guy for not putting this one in a dishwasher Crix has just released a firmware update for the original N8, and as promised, he took all of the things that he found about the mappers for the N8 Pro and backported them back to the firmware of the N8, so both the Famicom and NES versions. So it's really incredible, in my opinion, that Crix still supports all of his product lines, not just the brand new stuff. That's better than most big companies do, so thank you very much to Crix, and if anybody wants the full list of everything that's added, it's mostly mapper support and bug fixes. But definitely check it out if you're interested. And if you have an original N8, it kind of seems like a no-brainer to update. It's free and you get a lot more games supported. There's now a Genesis audio player called the Mega Girl, which is a standalone project that allows you to play original Genesis and Master System audio via an SD card. It's got controls built right in and an LCD screen, and while it doesn't take original cartridges, you just need to dump those ROMs onto an SD card and play it directly from there. Uh, It is a really cool-looking piece of equipment, and anybody that's into chiptune-style music should definitely check it out. Even if you don't end up making one one yourself, it seems like an awesome thing to at least follow. So uh, I I really would love to have more time to play with stuff like this because it just seems like so much fun. Um, But it's a device that uses all the original audio chips, so you get a true and authentic Sega Genesis audio experience. Now, with things like MD Fourier... You could probably get that in software fairly soon, if not already, but it's still pretty awesome that there's original hardware-based players for this. I recently reviewed the Omega MVS, and it was an interesting experience overall. No drama or anything, but it's uh, 
it's one of those things where you may or may not appreciate a behind the scenes look at some of this stuff. But uh, the Omega itself is an official Neo Geo motherboard that's wrapped in a gorgeous custom case that really looks like an official SNK console. The motherboard that they use has all, all the mods that most people would probably want <coughs> want done to their motherboard when they're consoleizing it. Um, and it has a, a wide variety of output options, composite, S-video, component, and RGB. Um, now, I didn't originally set out to review this. A friend of mine said that he had gotten one as a gift and um, had trouble getting video output from it. So I said, all right, well, look, let me take a look. It's got to be an easy thing, I'm sure. And then we'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll just do a quick review since I have it here. I've seen them before and always wondered what they were like. And that kind of sparked a months-long thing that somehow ended up taking an insane amount of hours and costing me a couple of hundred bucks. I have no idea how this stuff always happens. But the the backstory behind it was after I did the review, which is very close to what you see uh, at the one that went public, I reached out to the creator of the Omega, the owner of ArcadeWorks, Quan, and just kind of said like, hey, I, before I make this public, I, I kind of want your opinion on this because I feel like I'm not really getting it and it feels like a hit piece and it's not what I, my intention is. And, you know, I think people had kind of gotten into my head over the years. A lot of people had busted my chops for not contacting the manufacturer to ask questions before posting reviews. But my personal opinion on that is if you're talking about a prototype or a beta, yeah, of course. I mean, it's kind of like your responsibility to stay in touch with the manufacturer and help them through, especially if they're nice enough to give you an early production unit. But this thing's been out since 2011, so there's no there's no hidden secrets here. It's, it's a stable product. It is what it is. Um, but I still kind of wanted to give it a chance anyway, and Quan was totally respectful. He did not ask me to change any of my opinions. We agreed to disagree on a few things, um, and he did ask me to, to clarify some facts, because I did get some things wrong. And luckily, much like a lot of my other mistakes, they're, <coughs> they're small things that don't affect the bottom line. So... You know, I think the best example of that was in some hyper shit HDMI console review. I said 240p was outputted in 480i even from composite video, and it wasn't. It was a mistake. I felt like an idiot afterwards, but it doesn't change the fact that I don't recommend anybody ever spend their money on the console. So whatever. They were There was stuff like that that didn't properly represent the Omega, but um, didn't, didn't change the bottom line in my thinking. So I ended up redoing it so many times and I just respectfully to everybody, you know, especially to Quan who was patient with me. I'm never talking to a manufacturer again about a stable product that's out unless I legit have actual questions about things. But, uh, you know, like I said, he was respectful, but that was painful to go through. Um, and one of the things I did find, one of the things we agreed to disagree on is the RGB video quality in that is less than what you would expect from, a product being released today, and in my opinion, less than what you would expect from a product of that price. So if you're a user that really needs all of those outputs, then great, awesome. But if you have an OSSC and you're using the custom timings and you're on a somewhat decent TV, you'll definitely notice a difference between this and a good AES or some very cheap MVS consoleized solutions. So I spoke to Tian Fang, who created a drop-in replacement board 
that's the same circuit based off the triple bypass circuit, which means you get updated video and audio, and it's pretty awesome. Um, you could get a performance boost from the original board just by using a shielded <coughs> RGB cable. However, I've, it's my personal opinion that if you care enough to go that route, just get this upgrade board and go from there. Um, pre-orders are open, but uh, the link is down there for everybody as well. But where they get sold from will probably change because it turns out there is a ton more interest for this than people are, or than we originally thought. So if you're interested, check out the link. I'll let everybody know if the pre-order location changes, but hopefully it'll all work itself out. And my overall opinion on the Omega, I mean, if you're just looking to get good performance out of a Neo Geo MVS, there's infinitely cheaper ways of doing that, some of which I'll be doing videos on in the next month or two. But if you're looking for something that is really nice looking, as well as performs well, I don't know of any other production cases today that, in my opinion, look as good as the Omega. So if you don't mind spending the money, getting the Omega and the upgrade board is probably the best thing for somebody that wants a good looking and well performing MVS. So um, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting thing to go through. Once again, much respect to Quan, but uh, yeah, hopefully I'll just be a little more straightforward on my reviews from now on. The Swiss team has been hard at work at a bunch more updates. Um, this latest batch focuses on bug fixes and support for multi-disc games, which I often forget GameCube has a bunch of those. So now whether you're using the GameCube loader, optical drive emulator, or the SD to SP2, using multi-disc games should work a little bit better. Um, also, for anybody that's not aware, Swiss is the best homebrew for the GameCube, in my opinion, um, because it allows you to do to manipulate any of your games, including the awesome Game Boy interface software, um, including original discs as well as homebrew. So if you're not familiar with it, please check it out if you're a, a power user for the GameCube, or to be honest, if you're even anything other than a casual user, it's something that I strongly recommend checking out. But as always, thanks to the Swiss team for all their awesome work. The Mega SD also had a pretty big firmware update recently with tons of bug fixes and features added um, and a lot more MD plus uh, additions as well. So that's kind of like the MSU one audio for Genesis games. They seem to be tweaking a lot of that to make it even cooler. So uh, this is definitely one that I would recommend everybody jump on. And uh, as as of now, the Mega SD is really just killing it in performance and update. So uh, anybody that owns one of those kind of a no brainer, just fire up the update and and uh, enjoy the new stuff and the bug fixes. A prototype of the unreleased Sega Genesis game, Akira, as we used to call it in school, but I'm pretty sure it's actually Akira, but uh, a very awesome anime movie from the late 80s was started to be made into a game for the Genesis, and it was super ambitious. There are totally different style stages from first-person shooter to side-scrolling to top-down. I mean, it's it looked like it had the potential to be pretty amazing. The current state of the game, you can't beat any of the levels or beat the game, but you could bounce between them using the start menu, and uh, it just looks so cool and a, and a glimpse as to what I really hoped would have become a real Genesis game. So uh, pretty awesome that Hidden Palace put it up there for us. Definitely check it out if you're interested, and man, maybe this will be one of these passion projects where a couple of years from now we'll find out that uh, you know people will have continued work on it and we'll get it finished for us because it looks like it really had the potential to be killer. The SD to SNES ROM cart series has now been rebranded re the FX Pack Pro uh, due to the SD Association's licensing issues. Um, 
So I've kind of heard behind the scenes what's been going on with this, and I heard a strong rumor that I, I feel comfortable enough sharing. Um, the proof is almost crystal clear, but not quite. So I'll just say the rumor, and then you know, if I turn out to be wrong, whatever. It's you know, it's a very believable rumor. But apparently, there's a member of the retro gaming community who I've dealt with in the past who has a very terrible reputation of being mean to people. Decided that he was just going to start. Uh, reporting people to the SD Card Association for fun because he thought it, it's funny to report people and potentially have fines and potentially ruin people's business. So um, that's why you've seen a bunch of these ROM carts get renamed, and that's why a few more will probably be renamed in the future. And if I ever do get the proof that I need, I will make it very, very public. Um, his Facebook page almost comes out and says it, but doesn't. So, yeah, I'm working on that one. I know a lot of people hate drama and hate when I talk about drama, but this one's worth sharing. So I just figured I would share it with all of you and let you all get as angry as I did about that. Because think about what it would be like to quit your day job, to follow a passion project, just barely be making it, not know that you'd have to pay licensing for the SD card logo, and then have some asshole try to get you in a lot of trouble or shut down because they think it's funny. So that one was rough. Figured I'd want to share that one bluntly with everybody. Uh, very often when I speak honestly, people come down on me as if it was my fault. It's fine. Go right the fuck ahead. Uh, that's 99.9% .9 sure that's really what's happening and going to continue to happen. So hopefully, I, I wish I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about this one, but I don't think so. The Genesis Mini hacking software called Project Lunar has just had a public beta released, and I used it on mine, and it was about as easy as you could ask. Uh, just boot with the reset button down, um, let Project Lunar do the jailbreak install, basically press a button, walk away, come back in five minutes, and then you could add more games if you'd like, or do things like add uh, RetroArch and more emulators and things. Um, for my personal opinion, and this is, you know, this is just, you know, a fun little preference for me is if you're going to continue to use this, I like the Genesis classic look. And I would think that if you're going to go to RetroArch, you'd probably just use a Raspberry Pi or something anyway. But just my opinion, do it however you feel like it. The only two confusing things are, I don't know if there's a way to dump a ton of games at the same time while pulling artwork and all that stuff. Maybe I just didn't spend enough time with the software, but that would be nice. Um, just to dump as many games as possible so you don't have to manually go one at a time. And the other thing is you're supposedly able to um, overclock it from 1 gig to 1.34 gig, but I didn't see an option to do that using the regular Genesis menu. I don't know if you need you could only do that in RetroArch, but either way, if you own a Genesis Mini, at least you could add more games to it now. Hopefully, the overclock would uh, would help with improve the lag. It's not going to fix it, but it might imp improve it enough. But you know, I saw these things go on sale for fifty bucks. They look really cool. You get two pretty decent controllers with them. And now you could hack it to put some games on it. You know, maybe it's a fun little toy now. You know, especially if you really do like putting RetroArch on things, then you could have what looks like an awesome little Genesis plus all your games. So if you have one of these, check it out. Uh, it seems to be pretty easy, and I didn't run into any issues whatsoever on mine. The second edition of the RetroRGB Writers Podcast went out last week, and it was myself, Ronnie, 
Greg and Vanessa all talking about our thoughts on 2019 and what's to come in the future. Of course, it's always available on audio only for people that just uh, want to listen. And we had a few technical issues starting out, but it smoothed out pretty quickly. But I, I want to continue to do these and I... I really think these are important and fun at the same time because I always like to highlight the amazing people in the retro gaming scene. I mean, I've been doing that since the podcast first started, and I certainly want to showcase all the people that put their time and effort into doing some pretty amazing posts on retro RGB. So I'll try to keep rotating it around so we get different people every time and really get everybody, um, as many people as we can, just to show you who goes into some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff in retro RGB. We missed Justin this time, but we'll get him next time. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested, give it a listen. And, of course, and as always, thank you so much to everybody who contributes to the site. There's a new SMS homebrew game out called Voyage, A Sorceress's Vacation. And this game is based on Alex Kidd in Miracle World. It's basically a complete... Um, gutting and redoing of that game based on the same engine. And I remember seeing updates on this for years now on SMS Power. It was originally under a different name, and it looks like a pretty cool platformer. So I, uh, I actually tried to get this on the day it was launched and do a quick video on it, but I just haven't had any time, so that's why I took so long to, to post this on the website. But it seems like a pretty neat game, and if you have the ability to play ROMs on an original SMS, it will work. So anytime you get a new game for an old console, it's always a bonus. I definitely recommend trying it out. Mobius Strip Tech has now opened pre-orders on Sega Nomad Triple Bypass Kits, And while the root of the project is based off the main Triple Bypass version 2, Mobius added some pretty cool stuff to his, including a headphone amp and a way to install it that should be easy for almost anybody. Um, He designed flex cables and certain connectors that go right over slots uh, just to make everything as easy as possible. I think it really looks awesome, and I'm waiting for mine to get done soon, so I'll hopefully be able to have time to throw a quick video on it and show everybody what it's like. But this will work with the original screen as well as the LCD driver. It still allows for dual output, so you could use this screen that's in as well as output to um, RGB or, of course, HD retrovision cables and stuff. And the audio is good across the board. Uh, so the speaker audio has been improved. The audio that comes out uh, line out of the uh, the DIN is now MD4EA approved, as well as the headphone jack audio, which is pretty awesome. So anybody that's a fan of the Nomad, um, this is just, it seems like a really awesome thing to add. Uh, I'm personally having mine recapped, having this installed, and it. <clears throat> having the LCD driver installed. so And eventually getting Greg's uh, new rechargeable battery pack for it. So hopefully I will have the most pimped out Nomad on the planet very soon. Um, I'll, of course, try to do a video as soon as I can and show everybody what it's like, but I'm very excited. Last week I wrote an editorial post that is kind of rooted in drama. So if you're the type of listener that just wants to hear the facts and move on, I saved this one for last. You could bail right now. Totally, you know, totally cool. No hard feelings. But this was obviously important enough to me to stop what I was doing at a family thing to write the post, then tweet about it, then eat a lot of shit on Twitter for standing up to my opinion. But I'll talk about what this really means to me in the post and then kind of just quickly tell you what the drama was because what this means is way more important. Um, What counts as cheating in video games and what should really be disclosed in a public environment of talking about things? 
And, you know, of course, if you're playing games by yourself at home, play games any way you want, like, you know, whatever. That's never been part of the discussion. But if you're going to come out publicly and start bragging that you've beaten a game, there are always caveats to that. Ever since I was a little kid, the first time I distinctly remember this was the Konami Code with Contra. I definitely remember my eight-year-old brain. I think the game was out before that, but, you know, you know it was pre-internet. Before the game hits your game store, it's not released yet to you. Uh, but I definitely remember going into school and saying, you know, I, I beat Contra last night, you know, but I had to use the code. And it was one of those things where even our eight-year-old brains could process the difference between working your butt off to gain the skill set to beat the game on three lives versus 30 and of course, that went to Game Genie, where you know everybody agreed. Where, you know, if you've used Game Genie's like infinite lives code or something like that, did you really beat the game? Yes, but it's you know it's cheating. It's something that we all talked about, um, and that's kind of when things started to get interesting. Because if you use Game Genie to then go to the hardest level of the game and practice that over and over, and then remove the Game Genie and play the game start to finish, is that cheating? Or was that practicing? My personal opinion on that is it's no. I mean, you've now just beaten the game start to finish. You could proudly say, yeah, I just beat the game without Game Genie. And it kind of made me think about a lot of these things because I'm a huge fan of speedruns and stuff like that. And I, I do think that tool-assisted speedruns are amazing. And as the speedrunning community is dictated, it's just different. It's not better or worse. It's not like it's just a very cool accomplishment that everybody could celebrate. So... There was a lot of things that came up um, in the Twitter thread that actually were really good conversation. There's always a few good ones buried in the shit garbage, but one of the things was beating a game versus completing a game, which once again, in my personal opinion, this was always a no-brainer. Um, like, uh, best example is The Messenger. I beat <coughs> The Messenger, but I didn't complete it. I didn't get all the extra coins and stuff like that. I didn't go do the side missions. So I can confidently say that I beat it and I cheated twice. I once looked up where a location was and then I once looked up how to beat a boss because I was tired of playing them over and over and I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing to beat the boss. I actually wasn't. So cheated twice, didn't complete it, but I beat it. So that's just my opinion on that. Uh, another thing that I thought was really interesting is what about uh, turbo controllers? Because just with the, <laughs> the games that I've played over the years, that's never been a part of uh, of the question. Like, Turbo has never beat a game for me. But that does bring up a pretty good debate, whereas if it did, what if you're using a console like the Turbo Graphics that has built-in Turbo? Or what if you have a Japanese Master System that has Rapid Fire built-in versus a non-Japanese Master System that doesn't? So I thought these were all really interesting discussions um, and just more ways for us to analyze the way games are appreciated and played. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to take shitty drama and flip it upside down, but to be perfectly blunt, there's just... A lot of people that I really respect, and I really, I still follow and respect, but I felt like they truly let me down with their responses for that. Um, some people were just being funny, so that's that's totally different. But like, I just can't understand how anybody would have taken Mike's tweet the wrong way. Now it was harshly worded. I imagine it was in a time where he was probably coming at, um, if, you know, somebody was shitting on him in the comments. Clearly, I know what it's like to lose my temper on Twitter, but. You know, from from that perspective, anybody that's watched Mike's videos too should you know should clearly see the scenario of he beats 
Ninja Gaiden, let's say, on original hardware, and then a bunch of people in the comments get shitty with him, like, oh, I beat that all the time on the Switch with rewind and save states. So his post was, if you if you beat it with rewind, you didn't beat the game. And I, I just honestly think that was a firing from the hip, I'm pissed off tweet. Always the Twitter limit certainly hurts with things. Um, I you know I don't know Mike very well, but I, I genuinely get the impression that he just meant you can't throw it in people's faces if you've cheated because it's not the same skill level. Um, the other you know that that's one of the things that bugged me was people's reactions to that. Don't tell me how to play my game. The other thing was uh, people using the word gatekeeper. I don't understand what that means, and I'm pretty sure that almost every person that used that word in their tweet doesn't understand either. They're just parroting what some other moron said because they felt like jumping on the angry bandwagon that day. Um, Social media is fascinating to me how, you know, what was it, Tommy Lee Jones, a person is smart, people are stupid. It's so easy to watch the herd just fall into one direction, but I really wish some of the the people that I saw shitting on Mike had stood up for him, especially the speedrunning community, because, you know, what what those people talked about, about, you know, beating it with rewind goes against everything that speedrunners work their butts off for, you know? I mean, of course, that's how you would learn the game and learn the sections, rewind, you know, save states, practice over and over. But I just, to me, it made so much sense in my brain that, you know, badly worded tweet, but correct perspective on things. And that if you're going to talk publicly about your games, you have to talk about them in a fair environment, just like I did when I was eight years old, just like I did in the messenger review. And just like every single person I know has always done, you know, it's always been part of the discussion. And in my opinion, I mean, being able to complete a game without cheating is a testament to the way the game is built. Is it too easy? Is it just right? Did it make you want to keep coming back for more? You know, is one part too challenging that you had to just cheat and move on? Do you just suck at that part? That's I'm guilty of that all the time. I'll I'll get past a part in a game in like three tries where everybody else, everybody else says is hard, and other parts of the game that people blow through it'll take me an hour. So, I, I really wish that people had taken this more positively and had more constructive criticism. And if you have time, I would certainly love to hear any speedrunners or professional gamers' opinions on this in the comments. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm I. I am always open-minded, but I don't think I will ever change my opinion is that you should be, if you're going to brag, you should be rewarded for the actual accomplishment. Cheating versus playing straight through versus speed running versus like a no damage speed run are completely different skill sets. So let me know what you think. Don't be a douchebag like many of you probably were to me on Twitter. I muted that thread after a while. I couldn't take it anymore. There's no reason to be a dick about it. I don't think I said anything unreasonable, even if you completely disagree with me, which is always fine. But uh, I would honestly like to hear real solid opinions on this because I did kind of find the whole thing fascinating. Well, that's it for this week. I am really sorry for all the the coughing and for all that, like, holding my breath at the end of a sentence. I'm trying so hard to get better, but it's uh, impossible to talk without hacking up a lung still. So hopefully I could edit. I think I have one jump cut in this one, but hopefully I could edit enough so it's not jarring or anything. Cross your fingers that I'm not hacking up half of my lung next week as well. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. I do appreciate everybody who's always civil in the comments. Totally awesome. If you disagree with me, I've learned so much from people that disagree with me, but no need to be to be a dick. <laughs> and of course, as always, thank you so much to all of my supporters, uh, Patreon, Subscribestar, YouTube, whatever. Uh, you're all amazing. Thank you very much. And I'll actually have some cool updates on 
that side of things soon, maybe even next week. But anyway, Happy New Year, and I'll see you all next week.